Welcome to Double Burst, a podcast about Dice Masters. We are a group of Utah players that want to bring you the latest Dice Masters news, strategies, tips, and more. Whether you're a new or seasoned player, we hope this show has something for you. I'm KT Data, one of your hosts, and welcome to episode 55. In this episode, we have another large rules forum update. We talk about which Rip Hunter and when best to use that one, and we wrap it all up with a discussion on our favorite Batman set cards so far. So let's kick it off with our giant rules forum update. All right, guys, we are here with Dr. J kicking off the show. You know what that means. We have a rules forum update, and in continuation of your birthday celebration one month Absolutely. after, <laughs> we have like almost another week's worth of rules. So, so many good new rules. Yeah, so everybody buckle up because we'll be here for a long run. So the first one is, this is an interesting combo, and this is the one that got Russ super excited about it because he has a team with a lot of these pieces. Right, right, yeah. Um, so the question was, when multiple effects modify where the dice normally go, because, I mean, normally it's either prep area or use pile, right? Yeah. But now we have cards that send them back to the card or back to the bag and that kind of stuff. So right. the question is, um, uh, I have a qu- the question is about having multiple cards in the field that affect where the cards go, where, K- um, for example, KO dice go. So, for example, I have Black Adam, ruler of Kandak active. Um, I think it's Kandak. Or Kandok, Kandok. Um, and my opponent has Batman Speedy Recovery. I use the Luke Cage Global. Does Batman still return to the field if my opponent doesn't take the Black Adam damage? If they do take the Black Adam damage, does the effect occur again since Black Adam deals them damage, which triggers Batman again? Because Batman's yeah. ability is um, whenever you take damage, KO Batman die and return it to the field zone at level two. Um, yeah. So I, I actually like this this ruling because it, it clarifies a few things. Mostly it just clarifies you fully resolve one effect before you go and resolve another one. So what happens is you take the damage, Batman KOs, you have to fully resolve his effect first. So if you choose not to KO him, or if you choose not, not to put to him back on the card, card. he comes back yeah. in the field, then Black Adam triggers, you take a damage, then Batman triggers again, fully resolves, comes back to the field, then it triggers again, and it's an endless loop until you die. So basically what Black Adam does in this situation is, is saying, you just have to put him back on the card. It kind of puts your your opponent into a catch-22 situation where they have to put him back on the card if they want to keep playing the game. Yeah, um, and then the specific text they have for um, the interaction um, it, 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 with kind of some of these cards that kind of happen at the same time is yeah. both effects happen beginning with the active player's um, the first move would be undone by the second move. So if the active player would, uh, active player's effect would send the die to the bag and the inactive players would send the die to the field zone, the die would end up in the field zone. This is kind of the, so I know a lot of people are familiar with the stack. This yeah. follows more of like a line. So it's first in, first out, where the since it is the active player, that's always been true. Their abilities always go first. Those trigger, and then next in line is the inactive players. In this case, they're talking about an Alfred. He would come back to the field. Yeah, um, yeah. exactly. And there, I've had some questions about this before playing with Killer Frost, where she sends dice to the bag, and then they, there might be another character effect that sends it to the use pile or to the prep area specifically. And I've always wondered about that, and this really kind of clarifies mm-hmm. that. Yep. So on to our next one. This one I think I, we've heard a couple times, and we've ruled it. And in, in all the events I've been, the same way that WizKids rules it, it's kind of along the lines of 
two effects happening at the same time. Yeah. So um, the question is, when you use Big Entrance, um, which says when purchased, you may add, or when you add this die to your bag. But there's the other part is when used, dice purchased this turn cost one less than the printed cost, and they may be put directly into your bag instead of the use pile. What happens if you use that and with the Rip Hunter's Global, which is pay a shield, the first die you purchase this turn is added to your prep area instead of use bag. So this causes a little bit of confusion for some people like, well, does it go into the bag or does it go into the prep area? Um, and the rules for them, they came back. Big entrance is a may effect because it does say in the actual text of the big entrance card that you may add it to your bag. Um, and Rip Hunter's chalkboard global ability is not. So but if both effects were used, the global would take precedence because that one does not say may. It has to go to the prep area. Yeah, so if you chalkboard and then buy big entrance, you have to place it in the prep area. You don't get the option to place it in your bag. I don't know why you'd want to instead of putting it in the prep yeah, area because it's just better. You're causing you to actually get one less die next turn. Yeah, you, so, you, so you get it with extra dice. But that's actually really clarifying because I never really read Rip Hunter's chalkboard that it's that, a must. that thoroughly, yeah, yeah, you have to do yeah. it. If you pay it, whatever the next die you purchase, you have to yeah. do it. Um, I don't know if that, that'll end up causing some issues down the road where somebody may want to buy something else, but they but, kind of run into a problem with the Rip Hunter Global. But it, it is, you don't have a choice there. Yeah, yeah, and I, I kind of like that because they, they tend to draw that line because they have some cards that say may and then some cards that don't. So the ones that don't say may usually are requirements. So exactly. You can't pick... Um, to make to it's like static or huntress when fielded or whatever deal a damage yeah. if it doesn't say you may deal a damage you, you got, have to deal that damage yeah. if your opponent has no characters in the field you have to pick one of yours yeah and if it's that static it's that static yep all right so the next one this is always what we've had i think we've had a couple of heated discussions about it. <laughs> it's about regenerate clarifications oh yes so um in the rules forums, there was a old ruling that talked about the Iron Man Global and the villain affiliation. They mentioned that regenerate is considered, quote, unquote, a KO replacement effect. Yep. So we've always had this discussion. So does that mean if you try to KO regenerate character, if they regenerate, that technically doesn't mean they KO'd because it's a replacement? Um, or, you know, it, it opens a whole can of worms of we're like, what's going on? So the question is... What happens, and it's a two-parter, what happens if I use a character with regenerate to pay for a cost such as fabricate or enlistment and the character regenerates successfully? The other question is, what happens if I had a character with re- with resistance and I successfully regenerate a different character? Do I get the extra effects? Um, so, And then this one, they actually had posted a ruling and then they went back and modified it a little bit because i guess there was a little bit of confusion between the it, it was it was worded yeah. wrong and they went through and they fixed the wording so that it meant what it yep. said what they meant it to say yeah so for so the ruling is so for the first one where it asks what if you use regenerate to pay for for fabricator enlistment what happens so it says if the character die regenerate successfully after they've been ko'd for fabricate both fabricate and regenerate function normally. The die is bought, the KO is replaced. Again, that's the first in, first out kind of role. Yes. Um, if the character die regenerates successfully after being KO'd to stop an enlistment effect, the bonus your opponent would receive from the enlistment effect doesn't happen. So um, I can't remember an enlistment effect <laughs> off the top of my head. So, so one would be uh, 
Iron Man when fielded, your opponent, if your opponent KOs a character, your opponent has to KO a character, otherwise they can't block that turn. Yeah. If they choose to KO a character with regenerate and it regenerates, they can block that turn because it does replace the KO, but the cost has been paid, apparently, is, is what it's saying. And so that's kind of how I understand this ruling is if the KO is part of a cost and you pay that cost by trying to KO the character and then it regenerates, the cost has still been paid. So fabricate, you have to KO two characters, you purchase the you purchase the die, and then you can try to re-roll for... Yeah, because the whole th- you have to finish fabricate first before you can start regenerating. Yeah, so I think you could apply that to the Blue Eyes Global, pay a bolt, KO a character if you KO a character with regenerate, and it regenerates, you still get the discount because it was part of the cost and that ability has already kind of yeah. resolved. Yep, okay, and then so actually, and then let's see where... I think they posted, or did they change that? They might have changed that. Um, change what? So, so what it says is part of why this works is that when you initiate the effect, the character die that would be KO'd could be KO'd. There's no certainty that it remains in the field zone. And then so then they extend it. A character die with Iron Will may not be KO'd for Fabricate or other costs if Iron Will would definitely prevent the KO. So a character die with Iron Will... So. If a character die with Iron Will has taken damage, they can be KO'd for Fabricate or Enlistment. And I think that's where they changed it. Yeah, they, where it they cannot. Left, yeah, yeah. They, they left off that first part because they were trying to do an example of, so if a character die with Iron Will has taken damage, yeah. um, they can be KO'd. If Iron fabricate. Will would save the character die from being KO'd, then it's not uh, KO'd and yeah. you can't use the ability. Yeah, so you'd have to like ping uh, an iron wheel character first and then fabric yeah there, there's also um there's an interaction here that i was thinking about with resistance effects so like uh escape incarceration is one i'm thinking of where it says if one of your character dice was KO'd this turn then you get no oh, move a die from the preparatory to the use pile if one of your character dice was KO'd this turn move another die if you had KO'd a character with regenerate and it regenerates successfully you would not be able to use this ability because it is a ko replacement it would look and say None of your characters had been KO'd this turn. Yep, and that's the second part of this rolling. So, oh really? Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> that part solid. Went, yeah. There you go. So <laughs> we got that. All right. So the next one um, is about Scarecrow, Legion of Doom, and Bard Order of the um, Gauntlet. And you're like, Bard? Wait, wait, wait. This is actually a different Bard. Um, yes, this one's legal. Yeah. yeah, this one. The first WKO I went to out of state. I got hosed by this. Um, <laughs> so this bard is while half-elf bard is active. Your other character die of equal or low level to your highest level half-elf bard are not affect by, affected by opposing character abilities. And then Scarecrow is you can't be attacked by characters with an attack of two or less. So the question is, if you have Scarecrow in my field and no other characters and my opponent has half-elf bard in theirs, can my opponent attack with his two attack characters at the same level as bard because they abil- ignored the character ability um, that affect them. Um, so they come. They came back and says your opponent may attack with the characters that are that Bard is essentially quote unquote protecting from Scarecrow's ability. Um, I like this one because I usually tend to think of more like targeting effects, and this is a good reminder that that Bard actually is. It's all, every. Yeah. It's all character effects. It's not that they can't be targeted by them. It's that they are not affected by them. So. For instance, the new rare Batman, when fielded, reroll all non-villain characters. If there are any characters that are, you know, if Bard's at level three, basically none of your none other of your opponent's Bard. characters other than Bard are going to get rerolled yep. by that. So it's a blanket, no character yep. abilities. All right. So for our next one, this one is this one was another kind of it could go either way until Wizkids had rolled it. Um, sidekick, quote unquote, fixer globals from Green Arrow Flash. So 
um, for example, Cyborg, which is a favorite around here, you pay zero once per turn, you may spin one of your sidekick character dice to the shield phase. So we knew it had to be a, on the pawn side of the die. Absolutely, yep. The, so the question, so part of, so the, it's a three-part question they put. So one of them was, do sidekicks need to be on their pawn face? Um, and then there, it was also, do the sidekick fixers global target? Because it's technically a character, right? Yeah. And the third part is if the fixers target, do the sidekicks need to be in the field for globals to work? And does Electra away of the stick prevent the player from using them? Um, so they answered, um, first part, sidekicks must be on their sidekick, so the pawn face to energy fix. So you can't, like, say, move a shield to a mask or something if you needed that. Yeah. Um, the cycle of fixer globals do not target. Spinning the sidekick would be treated as part of the cost of its global ability. I kind of can see that because you're losing a, bl- a potential blocker or yeah. character. You're losing a character for energy. Uh, um, and the third one, sidekicks don't need to be in the field zone for the globals to spin them, which totally nerfs my idea of like using something that would ping a one-cost character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was always the the really confusing thing. From the start, I'd kind of been of the opinion that they didn't need to be in the field based on some of the wording in at least the Turtles rule book that I remember. But it was kind of poor wording, and I think they actually used that wording in here. Don't yeah, they? it's because because from the rule book it says roll dice in the field zone or in in your reserve pool or consider whatever their faces. That's that makes sense. This is the part where it was a little confusing. If you have a sidekick die in the reserve pool showing an energy, then it's an energy die. If you have a sidekick showing the character face in your field. Then it's a character die. They never mentioned. But the what if pool. it's a sidekick on the character face in the reserve <laughs> yeah. pool? But the first part of that always made me think. Well, it's considered a character in the reserve pool because it's mm-hmm. on the character face, so you can spin it. Um, and that's kind of what they what yeah. they ended up ruling was. It can you can totally ha- spin them in the reserve pool, which I struggle now because I used to be like pop in the field, spin it, pop in the field, spin it. And now I just don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. And you, you just like that extra energy so you can get carpal tunnel faster. Right? Exactly. <laughs> 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 All right. So as we go on to our, this cavalcade of rulings, this isn't, this isn't for the stun ability on Mr. Freeze and the Batman set. This was a new one. And this was a question that we had is um, in the Batman's. Um, so the question was, can a card have one, more than one stun token on it? Because it doesn't quite say on the actual Mr. Freeze card if you can have more than one on it. Yeah, and it um, seemed like a really strong ability to stack. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, so if I get three stun tokens, I have to pay six, six to remove energy, them all? Yeah. So, you do. Yeah, so the question is, for instance, if I had two Mr. Freeze dies, I placed two stun tokens on a character card, and now my opponent has to pay two stun tokens to be removed, a total of four. Um, how does that work? So they say, yes, a character can have multiple stun tokens. Um, however, each stun token will only cost two to remove. So if they have four... In order to remove two stun tokens, an owner could play two energy twice, so they it doesn't have to be at the same turn to remove them. Yeah. Or if they have four energy at that turn, they can pay all four to remove it during that turn. So I, I like how they make that because I could see p- where people would get confused where you have like eight stun tokens on a character. I don't know why you'd put eight stun <laughs> character, but you know you never remove them because you wouldn't have to gorilla grod is what it is. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't want that thing to be able to attack yeah. or or a bard if if you were playing that. 
I, I actually really thought that this was kind of a broken ruling, but after playing around with Mr. Freeze a little bit, I realized it's harder to put stun tokens on cards than you first yeah. think it is. Yeah. Um, so it, it is balanced. Yeah. So on that. And the next one, this one is an interesting one, um, was the question about dice bag size. So they were wondering if there were any rules about dice or the size of dice bag. If somebody's playing a bag so small that mixing their dice really doesn't do anything, is that allowed? Um, I liked how they mentioned this. Normally, this rule, the rules for them would answer a question like this since it falls outside of the game rules because the rules don't specifically say give you like a size or anything. Um, so there, there aren't measurements or requirements for the size of the dice bag, but if a player is doing something that is thought to be a, an unfair advantage and might fall under cheating, a judge at a tournament should feel comfortable interpret, intervening as appropriate. In home games, we hope everybody has the natural inclination to play fairy and have fun with their friends. Um, I like this one because this is a good one to remind you guys. If you have questions about things like that at tournaments, this is the time you want to ask your TO. Yeah. Um, WizKids gives, um, you know, they they give the TOs the right amount of power to intervene when they need to in games, and but the TO can't be everywhere at all the time. So if you if if say somebody brings a tiny dice bag that can only really hold four dice, yeah, you and know. you know, I love that their answer is kind of like, don't be a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> like that's kind of the answer here. You know, don't sew in an extra pocket in your dice bag so you can manipulate what you're drawing or anything like that. Like just. Don't be a jerk. Yeah, I, 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 because of that ruling, I've removed all the magnets out of my sidekick dice that I play with <laughs> you, so we can play fair now. Well, I appreciate Jay. that. <laughs> I only use them against you, so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can tell. <laughs> all right, so on uh, our next ruling is, how does Venom, um, Spidery, and Star Labs work together? So Venom is, while Venom is active, opposing sidekick character die costs one more energy to field. The Star Lab... Um, Global is pay a bolt and a shield, move a sidekick character die from your use pile to the prep area, and field another sidekick die from your use pile. So we've always kind of used the word fielding as that's going to trigger any when When fielded fielded effects. effects, So um, the question was, so if my opponent has Venom out and I use the Global Star Labs and I don't have enough energy in the reserve pool after paying for the Global, am I... One, still able to use it and will put a sidekick into my prep area, and the other one would... Uh, go into play wouldn't be fielded, so you'd only just move one. Two, still going to do both. Or three, not be able to use the global at all because you can't fulfill all the requirements. And this was an interesting one. They ruled that Star Labs global ability doesn't require you to pay to field the sidekick die, so effects like Venom or Agent Carter wouldn't increase the cost. I really struggled with this ruling because I don't, I don't see the, the reasoning behind it. And so this was probably the one ruling that I have that I'm kind of unsure about. Like, I wish the card said, you know, field it for free. Yeah. You know, field it or field it paying all costs or whatever, clear it up. Because I assume that if it doesn't say field it for free, I mean, I have to pay the costs involved if there are any costs. But this is just... I think this is just specific for Star Labs. Yeah, so and and I also think that it kind of they're trying to move it to align with some of their other ones, like with Rip Hunters Global. That's a must. So you you must field that, and then it kind of aligns a little bit too with the do as much as you can if you can't. Field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so just for future reference, if you're playing Star Labs, you don't have to pay to field whatever that sidekick is, if there was anything that would mm-hmm. make you pay for it. Yep. Okay, so keep going as we're going on. We now we're talking about Rip Hunter <laughs> through the vanishing point, um, and Constantine Con Artist. So this is not the super rare Constantine. Nope. <laughs> um, 
but this is the Constantine that says, while Constantine is active, you may name a character die you draw. If you draw and roll that character this turn, you may field it for free. So the question is, how does that work with um, Rip Hunter through the vanishing point, where when fielded, name a non-sidekick die, replacing all previous choices. While Rip Hunter is active, when you draw the name die, you may place it in your reserve pool on any face instead of rolling it. So the question is, if you have Constantine and Rip Hunter out and you name the same character, what happens? Um, when you draw Batman, will you be able to put him onto his level three side thanks to Rip Hunter and field him for free? Or does the die for Constantine have to be roll, rolled for his ability to work? Yeah. So th they responded, a literal interpretation is correct here. Since you aren't rolling the die, you can't field it for free. So if you had moved that Batman to a level three, you're still going to have to pay his three fielding cost instead of fielding him free because you didn't roll it. Yeah, I, I actually didn't think about this before, but this Rip Hunter has a little bit of flavor to him where you pull you pull a die and essentially it is skipping ahead in time to after the roll and reroll yeah. step is over. So it's not, it's not being rolled. It's just on whatever face that you want it to be on. And so it, it does. It skips that whole roll. And there's some other cards that this will affect. If you don't roll the die, you don't get the effect yeah. if you needed to roll it. Yeah, and they also put in, however, if you have two copies of Batman... You could use one to get to level three and then roll the other one, and if that rolls a character face, you could field that one for free, yeah. which, which makes sense because they happen at quote-unquote at the same time, so yeah. you're allowed to pick um, with that. So that's that, and to quote the WizKids rule forum on another Rip Hunter ability, it's like he's controlling time. <laughs> 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 All right, um, our next one is... In the enraged basic action or the speedy delivery basic action from Turtles. What happens if I play this one die on my opponent's character dice during my turn? Um, so, and I believe his, so the question, so they gave three options. A, the targeted die will spin up one level if able. The effect will end at the end of my turn. Um, and then they quote the one of the older rulings that say all effects end at the end of the turn. Or B, the targeted die will spin up one level if able, and then the die will remember, quote unquote, this effect on my opponent's next turn unless it becomes no longer active. On my opponent's next turn, that die must attack if able again and see something else I haven't th thought of. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they responded, the targeted die spins up, then the effect ends at the end of your turn as you outlined in possibility A. So because um, if I remember the text on Enraged correctly, you spin up your character die one level and they must attack at the next opportunity, right? Yeah. Uh, so this... This was another one that I kind of struggled with because I love the basic action, You've Been Chosen, and it kind of is a similar basic action. What it is is it says you pick an energy type. All character dice of that energy type must attack during their next attack step or, or something yeah. like that. And I was like, this that seems like the same kind of ability here. Uh -huh. Does that mean that I can't use it against my opponent? Is it just forcing my character dice to attack? That seems like a terrible basic action. Yeah. Now, you know, I don't think I want to play that. So I would like them to to clarify and say, you know, why is it that the effect ends at the end of turn? You know, is it just this die, or does it apply to that yeah. other that other basic action? Yeah. As well? uh, uh, what I'm hoping is that you've been chosen is a special case because it specifically calls out the next attack step. Where I don't yeah. think I don't think enraged does. But this says they must attack at its next, next opportunity, opportunity. So, which would also make me think that it would happen on your opponent's next turn, but. Yeah, we'll, you know. we'll, we'll see um, uh, with that, and hopefully they'll uh, clarify that. Yeah, All right. for sure. Uh, our next one is about Electra's, or Electra Way of the Stick in Sidekick. So 
Um, Way of the Stick reads, while active, your character die with a purchase to a cost of two or less cannot be targeted by global abilities, yours or your opponent's. Um, this is where it gets confusing. It's sidekicks, they're 1-1 one, one attack, so they're, they're going to fit the character um, requirements for Electra, um, and they only have one level, so it's level one, right? Yep. The question is um, that our sidekick protected by Electra while she's active, um, and like I would consider a sidekick die in the field as a zero purchase cost since you never have to purchase them, thus they would fall under the protection um, clause of characters with two or less um, purchase cost which kind of makes sense. Is that correct? Dice Master rule, Rules Forum said, yep, that's how you do it. Yep. The sidekicks are protected by... Sidekicks are zero-cost yep. purchase characters. One Level one, zero-cost purchase characters with no card. Yep. Okay, and the, this one, I always like this to be a reminder because we haven't seen this since the Iron Man starter. Um, so the, the question was, regarding the suit-up ability... Um, when you purchase a character die with suit up, you may KO a character you control who names matches one of the listed in the ability. So the question was, um, with suit up Iron Man, one, does the character title have to match exactly, um, for example, only cards with Iron Man in, the, in its title? Does part of the name have to appear, or does the part of the name have to appear in title like Space Armor Iron Man or Hulkbuster Iron Man? Um, I always like to bring these ones up because this is sometimes people forget um it must be an exact match so iron man works but iron manor does not um, yeah. so none of the extra stuff i probably would say the tm after superman and batman are probably slight exceptions right because some of the batman cards have them and i think some of them might not yeah yeah so if it doesn't have the the trademark symbol on it necessarily then it it doesn't have to have that but black lantern superman is not the same as superman white yeah. lantern aquaman is not the same as aquaman Spacesuit Iron Man is not Iron Man. Um, so, yeah, has to be exact. Yep. All right. And our last one, as we're like 20 minutes in now, oh. <laughs> is Nefarious Broadcast and Active Global Effects. So Nefarious Broadcasts has the ability to cancel any active effects of previously used global abilities. Uh, and global abilities cannot be used until end of term. So they were asking, is there a rule of thumb for us to follow? I'm not going to read the full question because there's a lot listed there. Yeah, there's a lot. So they respond, as a rule of thumb, if it happens immediately, nefarious broadcast doesn't cancel the effect. So for example, plus one attack, swapping stats, dealing damage, moving dice, um, spinning dice are all immediate. Um, Superwoman, which converts uh, energy, taunt effects like must attack or must block effects are canceled since they apply later um blue eyes white dragon global is perhaps the is perhaps confusing the die is still ko'd but if you haven't used the discount for the two yet it isn't available after using the various broadcast yeah this is probably i think one of the best rulings that we've gotten so far because it not just clarifies how nefarious broadcast works but it also kind of clarifies what they consider to be like active effects or, you know, one-time effects. And so things that we thought weren't one-time effects, I mean, we talked about Nefarious Broadcast before. We thought that if you swapped the attack and defense, then that was something that you could reverse with Nefarious Broadcast or um, I think pumping up. We thought that you could reverse those. Those can't be reversed by Nefarious Broadcast. They're, they're, they're in the one-and-done category. Yeah, so if anything is one-and-done, that's it. You know, it can't be reversed. But there are other things that can be reversed like the taunting blue eyes there was one other one i was thinking of that i can't remember off the top of my your head. favorite blink transmutation global <laughs> that one actually doesn't yeah it, it, yeah. it'll cancel it, it, it but cancel it won't it, re, it won't reverse it because yeah. you know 
they it's been blinked back. You know, it doesn't. There's no turning back. Yeah, you time. Right, yeah. So yeah, that that one doesn't work. Um, but yeah, it's good that they kind of clarified that because I know some people were having questions like, I, I could see this being confusing, especially if you've just learned about how to use Professor X. Yeah. And somebody plays that and like, so do I have to move all my dice that I just did back? <laughs> yeah, that would be too. I think that would be too confusing. Yeah. Honestly. Um, so that that's why I actually liked how they clarified it. So we have kind of a good idea on what and what what will and will not work for nefarious and broadcast. i'll say this for the benefit of russ and everyone else on the podcast when we talked about nefarious broadcast before i was wrong about a couple of things <laughs> so enjoy that guys because it's not happening again oh man i gotta i gotta i gotta, I gotta <laughs> clip that out and just like make that my ringtone for you <laughs> i was wrong i was wrong i was wrong all right, Dr. J, thank you so much for hanging in. This is a super long segment, but there is a lot of rulings. Yeah. I think we may have a week off while we're at Origins. Yep. <laughs> for this, but, you know, WizKids, thank you so much for answering these questions, and the more you do, the more Jared's on the show, and I think everybody likes that. And right? the more the game is just better. So <laughs> yeah. We, we, we Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> we appreciate every single ruling. Yep. All right, thank you so much, Dr. J. We will see you on a little bit later in the show. Sounds good. Okay, guys, we have the KO King, Dr. J, and Alex all here. We're here to talk to you guys about a card that has is quickly becoming one of those cards where you're like, oh, which version do I put on my team because they're all good, and that is the Rip Hunter from the new Batman set. Uh, yep. We also have Diego in the peanut gallery over there, so you may hear from Hi. him from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if, if you guys aren't familiar with it, I'll go through all the three rarities, and we'll kind of talk about when you want to choose each of these specific cards. Um, so the first one is the common, which is Rip Hunter, Navigate the Sands of Times. He's a four-cost shield. His ability is, while Rip Hunter is active, once during your clear and draw step, when you draw a dice from your, when you draw dice from your bag, you may send any number of them to the use pile, and if you guys remember our last Real episode, segment. it goes straight to the use pile, not transition, yep. and draw one new die for each. So say if you discard three, you draw three new die. Um, the uncommon is Rip Hunter through the vanishing point, four-cost shield. When fielded, name a non-sidekick die, replacing all previous choices. I like to mention that action dice count as non-sidekick because yep. I think pe- people forget that. And his ability is, while Rip Hunter is active, when you draw the name die, you may place it in your reserve pool on any face instead of rolling it. We all know this one's my favorite. Uh, and the last <laughs> one is the rare Rip Hunter Timeline Protector. He's a five-cost shield, and he's, while Rip Hunter is active, you may prevent the first image instance of damage to you each turn. If you take multiple instances of damage at once, you choose which one to prevent. What was the name of the subtitle on the rare? Timeline Protector. Oh, I like the, through the vanishing point. I, I will say this. <laughs> it is frustrating that these are all on the same character, but it's a good thing his common and uncommon yeah. are yeah. on the same <laughs> character. Because I will, I will tell you that both the common and uncommon are, are like, if you get those, those are crazy in draft in terms of if you want to play like a speed team or guaranteed roles. Those are well. It's such really a good. unique yeah. ability. So the only thing that we've had close to this is Red Tornado, and that had to be Side three kicks. or more sidekicks. Yeah, and he was yeah. a little bit harder to field. And his and fielding was, cost was outrageous for what he was. And yeah, yeah. Um, so, so let's start the discussion. What, where would you want to use the common in terms of that? Um, I, I'm, I'm a fan. Like I said, if you're in a draft and you're playing 
kind of a team where you got to get out characters quick. If you want to churn through your bag very quickly, this is the one. Like I remember when we were doing a draft on Thursday, and I needed to get um, one of my characters out almost like every turn. So what I would do is field him. If I don't draw her, discard all the sidekicks and just keep drawing until I got um, got. I think it was the Batwoman. Yeah, the unblockable Batwoman through to go out um, and smash faces. I would say in any any draft or constructed event where your basic actions are limited or your ramp and churn options are limited, the common's a great one. Um, I I use the common in my draft team on Tuesday night, and it it really helped. And I think on a constructed team, like say a Guy Gardner team or something where you need to churn through your bag to get the characters you need that are probably going to be in your use pile or bag that's it's a good option for churn. Yeah, I was going to say aggro teams, I think, will benefit from the common the most because my doomsday team is pretty aggro. The problem is he costs five, so I buy him, put him in my use pile, usually with eight other sidekicks, and I have to wait to get him. And so it really speeds up those teams that rely on attacking their dice going to the use pile and needing to get them back out as quickly as possible. Yeah, for sure. Now, I thought this would be my favorite, and I think it might be my least favorite in play because what I found I end up happening when I would draft or play it is I'd get him in the field and my opponent would be able to get him out, mm-hmm. which then leaves my bag that I was not worried about because I could churn in a terrible mess. So I found that early game, it's good. Mid game, when you have a lot of die and your opponent gets rip out of you, the field You want to make sure you protect them somehow. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of the one drawback. Yeah, yeah to him. the other drawback I saw with this one is if you're keeping your bag super lean, you may run into the cost if you have characters that are expensive to field that you might not have enough energy to do it because you're moving all the sidekicks out. So you may want to double check because I've, I've ran into a couple instances of like, crap, I only can field one of these. Yeah, you definitely don't always want to move your sidekick, all of your sidekicks over yeah. here because you need that guarantee mostly guaranteed energy to come out to field stuff yeah there were a couple times that i've played with this one where (laughs) i have had to just not use his ability and it's because you know i'll draw out of my bag and i'll get a character that has an expensive fielding side and three sidekicks and i look in my bag and there's like two more characters in there and i just say i i don't think i want to do it this turn because if i do i'm gonna roll characters i might not be able to field them or I'm not going to be able to field these important characters I want next turn. So there were several times where I was just like, I'm not going to use his ability. And, you know, that means that I'm not taking full advantage of the space that he's taking up on my team if I'm not able to use his ability all the time. So so that being said, when you're constructing a team with this Rip Hunter, it would be best on teams that have 0-0-0 fielding costs. Or if you have another, like, um, the Commissioner Gordon. I believe it's it's really good on Swarm teams, though. Because if if I'm only using, there's a good chance that, that he might be my churn, so I didn't bring a basic action that gives me extra die or so... I'm still only getting four die. If I can add swarm to that, I can really yeah. increase my die and know what die they are. So I think he pairs really well with swarm. Yeah, if you don't draw your swarm characters, that- you can pitch them and then draw again. And if you do draw them at that point, you do get to swarm with them. Yeah, I was going to say that that ruling came out uh, 
didn't you guys talk yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, we yeah, talked about check, it. Check yeah. out last episode if you missed on that ruling. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah th- that with the swarm. Now you're not just getting churn; you're also getting ramp. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the uncommon, aka this is Kevin's eighth card on every team because I can't roll through the <laughs> vanishing point. <laughs> um, so that's allow allows you to roll on the face. You move. You don't even roll it. You just shift it to the face that you may want, so want it on. You put it on the face. Yeah, so w- w- what kind of teams would you want to put the us on other than any team? He pairs awesome with uh, basic action like Superhero Registration Act. Yes, yeah, I mean, it gives you rely on for churn. Incredible ramp and churn because you don't have to roll it. And then actually, I would go as I've been looking at this and playing with it. Once I have what I want purchased, I would get him out of the field so I can name. A character. Refield him and name mm-hmm. something else. Right. So use him early, using your basic action, and then later get him out, field him again, and then name a character. Well, you've talked about using the Renant Tilly before with something like Chalkboard yeah. where you get that uh, that energy or the Star Labs. You get the energy for the Star Labs Global. And yeah, now this applies to this everything. This becomes Renant Tilly yeah. Plus. <laughs> or right. it's just different. Like Renant Tilly, whenever it's an action die, right? You mm-hmm. can yeah. you can spin it to a face, but this is one particular die as many times mm-hmm. as you want. Yeah. It's, so it's if I much, draw, it's a much freer ability. It's it's much more yeah. flexible. Yeah, so it it's important be. to understand that it's it's when you draw that die. So if I draw two superheroes, anytime I draw, then I can I can turn it. So it's not just like one die or once per turn. The weird thing is, is trying to avoid stuff being in your prep area, right? Yeah, like if you name a character and it's in your prep area. You, you have to actually roll that. Yeah. So in draft, and this is what I talked about a little bit last week down about WKO, is you add hush to that little uh, Rip Hunter superhero, that hush that also churns. I mean, you're just, it's crazy how fast yeah. you can get churned. Like, I would have killed for one of these uncommons in the WKO because my main condition was unblockable Harley and unblockable Batwoman. Like, most of my games, I managed to get her to roll. But if I could, there were, I mean, when I lost to, to Zach, I couldn't roll any of them. Like, I would have just killed to have that switch her to the five side and just keep attacking and cycle them through as fast yeah. as I could. Like, like Renit Tilly, too, this card is good for any die that you want on a specific burst face. So if you're playing momentum and you want to get that double burst side or relaxing and you want that double burst side, this is great for that because anytime you pull, you draw that die, you get to use that ability. So I think it's. A really solid ability. Yeah. I like it. All right, so so I will say that the punishment, I believe, for having this out of your field after you've named a die, I still get to roll my dice, mm-hmm. and that's why I believe this one. Even though Zach and I had our argument about rolls and draws, and I'm leaning more toward rolls. Don't now, tell him that. <laughs> is I, I still think draws are more important. Draws are important, but if if Rip comes out of the field and I'm relying on that him for my churn. I can create an issue if if he goes out of the field and I'm naming a die, I still get to roll my die. And that's why I'm leaning more towards uncommon myself. I'm really actually interested to see how this plays on a ring, on a ring team, like a lantern ring team to see, because it gives you the ability, do I want to roll this character that I named, say, a multiple man on his character face, or do I want the double energy oh, to and go for that? That would be nasty yeah, on a ring team because you can just, or any swarm, I mean, he matches yeah. well with swarm yeah. on both of them. You know, uh, I played someone the other day, and they were putting their parademons on the two bolt side. 
I mean, that yeah. Yeah. adds to this, why you're this, swarming. This would have been night and day difference against that ultra, when I played you against my Ultraman mm-hmm. team the other day, where I'm like, watch this, watch this. I'm going to roll this when I need double bolts on an action side. Every time, <laughs> action side, I'm like, watch, Ultraman's on the field, double bolts every time. Now, yeah. <laughs> now a, a downside, I think, to playing this card that I have run into is when you have a team that is reliant on characters sometimes this is not the best like action dice usually when you use them you go to use pile they're going to go back in your bag Mm -hmm. characters i played this with the common huntress and i named huntress and what happened was i would field her on level three or whatever whatever side deals the most damage Mm -hmm. to clear out a character and then i would find a way to ko her send her to the prep area but then from then on i had to roll her and then i'd roll her on whatever side it gave me and then I'd have to field her and I really didn't get to use the ability much. So, so does this mean the Spider-Man ability sacrifice will actually be, be good? Will it's, it actually be it, usable? It, it's possible. If you play really lean, sacrifice might be a really good way to get rid of your characters if you're playing with the uncommon Rip Hunter. Another yeah. issue I ran into was I played this with the the rare Batman and I remember one turn I pulled the rare Batman and three sidekicks, and I sat there thinking for about three minutes, what side do I want to put him on? Do I want to put him on level one? His stats aren't great. Level two, his stats are just a little bit better. Level three, his stats are awesome, but he's a three three fielding cost. (laughs) And I was like, do I really want to risk only rolling two energy and not being able to field this guy? And in the end, I went with level two, and it ended up hurting me because I needed that two damage to win. (laughs) And so it really like makes you think, and sometimes it makes you think too much. What makes both of those great, though, is they're both four cost. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. So now we, we've kind of talked about the four cost. We'll talk about the five cost, which is, I think this one probably caught us the most off guard. Yeah. Um, because we're like, well, the five cost and the, the, the ability kind of sounds similar to what we've seen before. And so this is the one that you prevent the first image instance of damage that you get each turn. Um, so why would you want to use the rare versus the other two? So I like this when paired with some other things. So first of all, it, it stops direct damage from one source. Yeah, especially in set. Yeah, because in there's set, a lot of... In set, yeah. in set, I think it's much better than out of set. In set, it's crazy. However, Russ and I were talking and brewing teams, and there's a lot of shield characters that just absorb damage. Yeah. So you got Rip Hunter, you've got the Lex Luthor from World's Finest. He reduces the first damage you take from a character to one. Uh, you've got Steve Rogers, who redirects two damage from these different sources. You've got Golems from D&D. You could build a team with these and a ring and make a pretty awesome shield ring team where basically you can't be touched. Some of us are working on that. Russ is, <laughs> Russ is working on that. Um, it, it, isn't the, it may not be the best of the Rip Hunters because you're sacrificing another Rip Hunter to play it and he's a five cost, but that ability to just take away damage mm-hmm. from one source I, is really, really good. I think it's too easy to get around. That's not that's inset, my... Pr- not inset. Inset, not so much, depending on the basic actions. Um, I played against a guy who ran this one, but he also brought um, the basic action that has the global on it. Uh, pay a bolt if you have nothing in your field, do one oh, damage. Dark oh, Avenger. Dark Avenger. Yeah. Dark yep. Avenger, yeah. So I just bought his Dark Avengers, and I'd be like, okay, here's one damage. Oh, now your Rip Hunter is useless, and I can send my Orion through that's 8-8. Eight, eight yeah, it, I really it. wish for the five cost that it had the ability where you could choose when to absorb the damage. I mean, that's what yeah, Super so Ronin does for a three cost. So just take out the first instance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Take out the first instance, and then just... But I will say this. He way. does absorb it. He doesn't redirect it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. So... Where my Ronan can get KO'd by redirecting, 
This At least one the way just, I read yeah. him. Yeah, he this just one just makes it disappears. It. He yeah. prevents it, so which is no damage. Which is pretty, pretty big deal. I mean, I think the biggest drawback to him is, like we get with Constantine, do I take great card A, great card B, or great card C? Because I've got to choose one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So how how would you kind of rank these cards in terms of great card A, B, or C? Wow. I think they're so situational. <laughs> yeah, it depends on your team. It depends on what you're building around. Um, I'm really liking the rare, but for my team, I'm probably going to go with the uncommon because it fits the best on that particular mm-hmm. team. I, I think in draft, especially with limited basic actions, the common is the one to play. Like, take all of yeah. them because you don't want anyone yeah. to have the rare. But now, see, I think in a draft, common, I think common, and, and, and maybe because I haven't played against it or played it depending, in a draft depending on which basic actions are allowed if if it's a limited basic action situation i would say to lean more towards the common even even if then, it's unlimited though, basic actions then maybe but if you have uncommon. to go the route to to go around and give me damage it's still a workaround with that ruling that now that the dice go to the used pile instead of <coughs> into the transition zone you can now uh pitch your dice um if you have superhero registration like you can pitch whatever dice you don't need get into that big character that you need, play the registration act, then get those dice back so you can have enough to... Uh, yeah, you can get the it. dice that you pitched later on. Yeah. Until... It's crazy. Until that opponent is out of the field, and it's cost me. And it's ruined my games For sure. when my opponent's got it out of the field. That's why when you play that, I feel like you're going a direction... And my opponent can totally derail that direction by getting I, a character out of the field. No, I think if you build your team around using it as a bonus and not a reliance, yeah, that's, yeah, when it's, yeah. that's when it's that's when it's that's where it feels best. Because I, re- I remember in one draft, I wouldn't buy him until almost late game. I was already I didn't like him late game. There's it's too many decisions. The, like, what do I? The more I, I don't th- know what I want. The more I think about it, I think the uncommon is really good for aggro style teams. I find the uncommon is probably better for control style teams where you have certain characters because it's that crucial you need getting to that, get yeah. out. I yeah. need to get Oracle out on this phase mm-hmm. or at this time. And he's going to allow me to do that. I don't have to gamble on the rolls, or I need to get this other character out. And or put your scarecrow out on level one so you can KO him with the Batman glow. Yeah, exactly. I mean, level one villain. They're both so amazing. Yeah. And I mean, it really bothers me. Yeah. I really wish the rare, if the rare didn't have that <laughs> caveat, he would be right there yeah. with like neck and neck with the other yeah. two. And, and I, I still think the rare is good. I know it's no. Easy I'm not saying it's right. bad. I'm saying no, it's good. I'm saying the others are good plus one. But I, so, I, I know it, it's I an easy draft, workaround, but it's still a workaround. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. But I, I think in draft, it's probably best to go with the common or uncommon. No, no, no. If and you pull the rare, play Like, the take, rare. The rare. Yeah, yeah. take the rare. Don't take the rare. Don't take it. No, play it. You play it. I have lost all the games I've lost in this specifically have been direct damage, stuff like Firefly, Firefly that Batwoman. Batwoman, where mm-hmm. if I had the rip, it totally negates that. It, or it. it Causes even, a workaround. Even at, at the draft WKO we played in, Mike's team was one of the biggest winning teams, and it was basically Magic Missile. He played Magic Missile, and he played the Uncommon Rip Hunter against me, which allowed him to spin it to whatever side. If I had had the Rare Rip Hunter on my team, I would have won because I would have cut in half his Magic Missile damage that he was doing, and I could have beaten him faster. And so while... You know, it's not great. I think in draft, it might be the best way to go because it prevents so much damage. Yeah, there's nothing else in set that's similar to that. Big picture, all the games, unlimited, 
there are cars that do similar things, maybe a little different. So it might not mm-hmm. be your choice outside of set. Yep. And so you guys might be wondering why we didn't do this as one of our battle segments because we started talking about it and we just came to realize that all three of these are pretty good cards, but they're a little more, you know, they're they're good but they're still situational in where you want to do and you want to optimize that. Yeah, we wouldn't do them justice too because this set yeah. just came out. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so like we want to hear from you guys. What is your experience as well of all these rip hunters and which one do you would, would you prefer in situations? Let us know. Shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Gentlemen, thank you so much because, I mean, this – Wiz Kids always does this. Is they always find one character where like I want all of them on our team, on my team. <laughs> so why can't I have all of them? Um, but we will talk to you all later. Okay, guys, we are here with the full crew. We have Doctor J, we have Kenpool, and we have the KO King. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing really good. Yep, good. Wow, that's a lot of energy. Yeah, I'm super good. Get, 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 get as much you, as I can conjure up, yeah. man. Can, can, I t- can I tell you guys secretly though? Anytime Kenneth shows up to our recordings, he has like pom poms and everything. He's like, "Go team!" Yeah, <laughs> you look tired from. They're always trees Deadpool colored. They're always red and black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what we wanted to talk about tonight is with the new Batman set that has come out. You know, we've we've had enough time, I think, to play with the cards to kind of you know have a couple of them that become our favorite cards in the set. They may not be the most powerful cards or stuff, but they may be those cards that we just like playing with um, and, you know, we enjoy seeing. Um, so who wants to start out with their favorite one? Because I know somebody's going to steal mine if I, you know. So <laughs> mine is, uh, this may be based on how I play, but I really like the... Scarecrow's two, not in the set, by the way. I like the two-cost hush. That when fielded, if there's another Batman character in the field, he KOs and you prep a die. Every time you send me a message <laughs> with a combo with him, I'm just like, that's disgusting. <laughs> I hate that combo. It's good. It's so good. He's, I hate yeah. it. So, <laughs> yeah, he's great it's, because he's two costs and he's a zero zero one fielding. Right. So it's weird. He's almost an action as opposed to a character because he's constantly churning. But so I've played him with momentum and. It's great. I, yeah, should we just rewrite his text to when fielded KO hush and draw prep die? Oh, it's <laughs> I mean right. there are now so inset I've done a lot of things that I really like. So I've been building out a set. So as an example, he pairs really good with Bruce Wayne, who is a Batman character. You field him, you KO him, and you control a par- character of my opponents. You capture. Add some, capture. So you can create a cycle where you're, you know, if momentum's working, Mr. Miracle, you just keep churning, you know, and keep that going. So he's uh, a lot of fun. There's a lot of little different things you can do when your character KOs. And the fact that you prep a die and you get to do it for free, and it's a lot of fun. You start playing with Golden Age, man. He's an oh, automatic trigger for, uh, for Black for, Manta. Yeah, retaliation. Oh, yeah. I was, I was talking to oh. Russ. I'm like, dude. Yeah, that was one that made me want to yeah, puke. Yeah, like that I one. I was like, that no. could be really, yeah, really I, rough. I was telling Russ, I'm going to put together a retaliation team with him and my fi- one of my favorite cards yeah. from the set. Just yeah, so, just so if you take, and we'll talk about her in a minute, but if you put Harley Quinn, Lex Luthor Greed, Black Manta, and him on a team... <laughs> I mean, you're oh. you're just you're, you're KOing. You're, you're rolling seven die almost and, each turn. It's ridiculous. And you're 
dealing all that damage. You're gaining one because you have greed, Lex Luthor, and let, uh, it's just there's so many fun things to do, and it's not that hard to make things a bad character if there's not one on your team. Yeah, it's like somebody always who perfuses a basic yeah, action card. Some guy who always yeah. brings uh, Dick Grayson. No? <laughs> so, so with the new Fabricate ruling, could you use Fabricate with Hush and Black Manta to constantly keep that going? Because it, from what it sounded like, the KO kind of trigger certain effects and then come back, but it was like fabricate and things like that. So I don't know how it would work with Black Manta, but if you had Black Adam on the team with it, give all villains regenerate, you could maybe do some. Would you prep the die every time he KO'd and then well, re- regenerate then still him a replace, or right? What? I mean, this is a little bit of a gray area. Even with the ruling, I'm still yeah, exactly. But there but might be something with the ruling. The Black Adam that you ruling could with my, this the Black visibility. Adam with the Batman ruling though. Sidebar here. That's a one card change on my PDC yeah. team that creates an infinite loop that I am like super excited about. And not just, you know, because so people gross. think, well, you're both going to take damage. No, heroic defense adds infinite life gain. <laughs> on top of that, you add Bruce Wayne. It's almost infinite capture. Granted, you have to have level one and two opposed from you, but like I can capture your whole team if I've done it right. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so I don't think it would work with regenerate, but there might be something <laughs> there with yeah, that regenerate. There's that still a, I, I am know. still working a lot with Hush, but there is so is much that you could do with him. A lot of fun. An automatic KO for a two cost character that preps a die. Yeah. I mean, bad. it's really outside of my play style to KO my characters. <laughs> but, you know, way outside yeah, the box. You, you are definitely reaching for this that. Is, this is like going a step beyond the KO King. He doesn't have to KO his own characters. They do it themselves yeah, now. They just see that, oh, Russ fielded me. I'm, I'm just going to go to the prep area. Yeah, yeah, it's, apparently, he, he got a promotion at some point. Now he's like the KO Emperor or something like that. So, yeah, he's not the one I would have thought I really liked out of the set, but man, they're, it, he's a lot of fun. There's a lot cost. you can do to abuse him and for two. Yeah. Yeah, so since we already mentioned her, like I think one of my favorite cards to play in the set is the rare Harley Quinn, which is coming to an OP kit near you soon. Um, and her, her ability is um, at the beginning of your turn, if I want to get the text right because I never get this kind of stuff right. Um, so while she's active at the beginning of your turn, if you control at least two different villain character dice, your opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So... I love it because it's lose, so suck it, vicious struggle. That is that is <laughs> that is very large in the game. I know it's a simple text, but Iron Fist, all that stuff, yeah, negated. Lo- lose life compared to take damage yeah. is and, so much stronger. Yeah, and she's already a villain, so you just need another villain on the field. Which, considering how often I just, I I should just like not even try to avoid playing villains. I just end up playing a villain heavy team anytime I play Batman. And this set is so strong with villains. So. Yeah, so she's a, she's, really a, is. she's a three cost, and I suggest you guys do this one time at least, is play a mirror match. Have just two Harleys going after each other. I played Dr. J the other day with this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was just hilarious because, like, okay, I'm going down to 19. You're back to 20. All right, now you're down to 19. I'm back to 20. And of course, Kevin's got his giant D20s that he uses to keep <laughs> track of everything, so he's constantly click, 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 click. Well, when you got the mirror match, that's when you got to throw in the rare parademon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you're, so you're both taking even more damage. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she's like, it's, it's crazy. She's a three cost. 
Yeah, she's a really, really strong three cost. Three cost uh, I know mask. That- Three cost masks. And her other versions are four cost, right? Yeah. So it's really just the cheap version of her, and it might be the best ability. I mean, I kind of like her one that preps dice if you have a villain team. I don't care for the unblockable one so much, but this is a really strong ability for a three cost. If it didn't have that little bit of life gain with it, I don't like losing one life every turn is that's strong, but what really takes her over the top is that little bit of life gain to where it's like, you know, if your opponent is hitting you with something like the Parademon that uh, does you one damage every time you draw dice, she, okay, that's fine. Like, you're going to have to do more than one damage every turn. Yeah. You are not going to use my strategy against yeah. me. And if you want re- to be really mean, and I, I, I did this on the team because I just wanted to see if it worked, I put Vicious Struggle also on my team. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it was like... Just running Harley, and then I put the vicious struggle on there, and it forces your your opponent be like, "Do I really want to attack?" <laughs> Do I, I think vicious struggle actually works really great with. This I played set. I played against Kevin and bought all of his vicious struggles. <laughs> yeah, how'd that worked out. They didn't do a thing. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't do a thing, but that was a really really bad rolls that night. <laughs> yeah. So I I think this card could. I think she might see some competitive play. I think there's a lot of mask teams out there. I think she adds a great deal to. She's protected by Raven. Um, in fun play, I want to really pair her with uh, Lex Luthor Greed that gives one extra die for yeah. every if five, you have, five, every, five every turn. Right, that if point. you have more life. So she's creating that swing for you automatically, and that gives you five die every turn, which is a, a huge advantage. Another big benefit to her is because of the timing of it, there's no way in the game right now that your opponent can blank her or take away her ability. If she's in the field and there's another villain, it's happening every turn. And so that's yeah. also really good. No Raza Ghoul Global for you to remove a villain. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So who else has a favorite card they want to mention? So I'll go with my favorite from the set, and it's the Uncommon Mr. Miracle. And uh, he's a two-cost mask, and his ability is when he would be KO'd, or when he is KO'd, you can move a die from your prep from your field into your prep area and return him to the field at level three. And... His stats aren't amazing, which But you don't it, want him to really be amazing because you want him to get KO'd. Yeah, right? you want him to keep getting KO'd. I mean, it, it doesn't really, like, benefit you a whole lot to bring him back at level 3 as far as his stats go, but he has such a cool ability that works especially with characters who have one field it affects. So if you're running like, Firefly... Yeah, that's stupid because, like, I, I, I don't know if you guys ever run into the issue, but every time I play a Firefly team... I rolled a stupid thing on level three, and I can't get it out of the field because it's a, like four four, and nobody can yeah. knock it out. And nor that's, does anybody. That's want what it. Huntress is for. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but but this Mister Miracle is really fun, and there's some other fun ways to play him. I played him with the uh, common Big Barda, which gives all new gods plus two plus two, and because he's cheap, you know, once you're once you get him in the field, and once you get a bunch of him, and then you get her out, they're all like five three now five three is that what it is on level three yeah and so five four and so they can get really but beefy and really hard to keep out of the field and like i said there's tons of characters with one field effects i love it with doomsday i love it with the firefly um anything that you want to keep refielding over and over and over again to get their ability he is just amazing with yeah, uh, his super rare is fun to play with too. I do like his super <laughs> rare, but and, it, uh, and I, I his think it's, super rare, I think, is going to be a very competitive. I think is it's it's the most uh, valid super rare in this set, just because of the purchase cost versus what the ability does. I think he's a very good card. 
I don't like the three cost. I like the two cost a little bit better, um, just because. And yeah, it's easier so to get. It's because you're not trying to be mean and play vicious struggle. So his because that's what I was doing. Yeah, his right? super rare. I know the community is very excited about dark side. I think it's a cool ability. I think it's added something new. But that boomerang to all actions is very competitive, like super strong. Yeah, you, and you I have the, a feeling uh, that uh, we'll see a lot of competitive play. So I was playing casually by myself, figuring some stuff out with Hawk and Dove. And rare coin, this was all in set rare coin and uh, momentum. And I had a turn, granted, this was just goofing off playtesting. I did 49 damage <laughs> in one turn, KOing my dove. So before wow. I would have passed, pri- passed priority, I had manip- done uh, enough with my actions. How many momentums in the. Uh- I can't Coins remember. It was <laughs> it was just a lot of really good rolls, so it, it won't happen in a game, right? But it's that idea that I can keep it going because there's not a transition zone in the KO prep area. It's it's ridiculous. And we've it's been lucky. Of He's one of the more prominent super rares in our area. Like, yeah, I've got two of them. I've pulled him yeah, twice. He, I've only <laughs> pulled him twice. I if you guys want trades, uh, double burst at ktdata.net. I'll pass it along because I, <laughs> yeah. I got one of each. But I was thinking you could play that on that rare two faces coin with this Mr. Miracle and when you get it on the other side you get a KO one of their characters and then you get a KO him and move a sidekick or whatever your one fielded character is, bring him back. There's a lot of KO shenanigans, so it's interesting that I like this card more I did, than I Russ, but <laughs> I really like it's that really coin good. too, by the way. Side note, yeah. odd, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, okay, so if you guys don't know, there is a two-faced coin. Oh, and, and Hawk and Dove, they're really good too. Yeah. There's, <laughs> a, lot of, there's a lot of fun so, KO so stuff yeah, this, in this set. There's a two-faced coin that they should have put the subtitle as KO King's favorite because its ability is it's a it's a rare it's three cost mask one side it's a flip card one side it says KO target character die you control and gain one life and with the burst and double burst then flip this card on the other side it says begin this game with this side face down KO target character die you control and target character die you don't control then flip this card this is what all Rust does and yeah <laughs> I'm actually surprised that I haven't seen more teams with this co- this coin well, on it well that and Mr Miracle and momentum is a lot of fun. If you if you <laughs> if you pair that with the uncommon owl man, then you can KO him and K- KO two of your opponent's characters with it because his ability is when he is KO'd, you KO the highest purchase cost non-villain character in your opponent's field. So you get the double effect. I there. know that one of the creators of the game, Eric Ling, some playing some of his other games, he and I seem to like certain <laughs> <characters>. <laughs> <laughs> games. So I think it works really well. Right. Right. Um, all right, Ken. You got a card you want to mention? Uh, you know, I really want to say either the super rare Mister Miracle or rare Riddler or even the rare Bat Signal because all of those have really awesome places on my satchel teams. But I, <laughs> but I haven't played with them. I have. I just haven't had enough time to really play with much of this set at all. I've just had other things going well, on. You got a real life, bro. Life well, you know, <laughs> uh, but what I have played with and what I have fallen in love with is sure, the uncommon, no. uncommon parademon. Oh, it's not what the, I thought. such wonderful, fun jank. <laughs> Dude, you just put him on a team with everything that you can swarm with. You know, if you've got dark side, that really helps too. But, uh, you know, uh, 
So, so his ability is a swarm, and then he has while Parademon is active, it deals one damage to target opponent when you draw an extra die from the swarm keyword. Yeah. So keep in mind that this works if you can draw that die, because it's on the draw, die you draw, not the die that triggers the swarm, if that makes sense. Right? So you yeah. so it triggers when yeah, you Yeah, when you draw the, the extra die. So if yeah. you if you have run out of dice um, in your bag, you won't get to trigger it. But for each additional beyond your four that you do draw, you get to do it. So if you get all six of your uh, multiple man dice in there, or like I built a team just sort of messing around at home playing with my wife and kids, and I had dark side and obviously... All the sidekicks go with that, and um, everything else you could find with a swarm. I ha- well, <laughs> I basically went for a two cost of each energy with swarm. There is not a shield that's a two cost with swarm, but bummer. Every other energy has at least one, mm-hmm. so there's no bad rolls. You throw in big entrance with that, and you're buying them up in a hurry. And it's just like I buy a little bit of everything, and then you swarm, and it it's so ridiculous. Did, did it gets you, out of control did you, so did you just fast. Say it's put big entrance on that. That rolls for you. Yeah, occasionally. Yeah, I've I've been known to roll a big entrance die successfully. You, 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 you ever see a big entrance die roll, Russ? Because I don't. No. <laughs> I, I have won two games in practicing hey. some ring stuff with the games. <laughs> so. I, I know without a doubt you've both seen them roll because I've beaten both of you <laughs> with it before. <laughs> you've seen it. It happens. Yeah, Maybe not for you, I, but I, you've seen it. Yeah, I just know if I'm doing that, I'm like, well, I'm just buying two energy whenever this comes around. Swarm definitely got... I know everybody loves it, but Swarm got possibly playable for me with this set. Yeah. You know, it's just got a lot of love. I yeah. mean and and with the the rare parademon, it got some serious hate yeah. <laughs> in, in that one it, card. It didn't it didn't get a lot of love. There's two like two cards in the set with swarm. No, there's yeah, there's two three cards, cards with swarm, one that gives sidekick yeah. yeah. swarm, and two of them are on the same card. There's not a lot of swarming characters in this set. No, but but, what, but the but things yeah, that, that dark side yeah. and those parademons, they really affect swarm yeah, in a big it's, way. It's not so much that they the they get swarm, got the swarm keyword yeah, got, keyword got a big boost because there isn't, but they did things with swarm that they hadn't done before. Yeah, because I, mean, I won't lie. Most this, other swarm characters only have the keyword swarm. swarm. Yeah, I mean, there's a multiple man that allows you to basically unswarm, where when when uh, you feel them or whatever, you get to move them over, which over to your prep area, which takes away the swarm from him, uh, or makes it fail safe. However, you want to look at it, right? But there's that. There's a giant spider that can like block two sidekicks or something like that. Most of the swarmers don't have anything else going on. So right. having other things going on, and especially being able to give all your sidekicks and allies swarm is out it, of control. You know, I find this maybe this is a topic for another day. This is very interesting to me because we now have swarm that you used to be this idea of ramping and churning possibly, but now it's become. We're so enamored with it. I think the community is very excited about dark side in general. Discussions we've had, discussions online, but we're we're trying to get to a six cost to do that. It, but really, he's just providing churn. I think time needs to be like let it out to to figure out how it really works. Like yeah, like Ken said, it's amazing. You got some amazing stuff with the allies. They can all swarm. 
but what does it provide you? Yeah, yeah. What's, what's your end kind goal? Of what there absolutely know. is a what do you do after that, right. and that's kind of why I my my one card from Batman is the Uncommon Parademon over Darkseid because the Uncommon Parademon is what you do with that. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, like that's the instead of adding a. 10 cost win con that you're ramping up to with swarm with when you can swarm all your sidekicks because that is something that you run into very fast when you've got a whole team of swarmers is okay now what do i do with this energy i've bought all of them already right i can't just have a three cost win con that burns them all in one turn when it triggers so if you've got the the paradigm cost ultra or ultron on my team oh it's so good yeah best ultron ever (laughs) but so so with the with the parademon you don't need to like without that to burn your opponent to death and without that being your plan to burn your opponent to death looking at the way that the game went when I was playing around that I was like man if I didn't have this I would have all this ramp and have just nothing to buy it would be all of a sudden I could buy all of my most expensive character like I I think that you could use this as a, a foundation to even buy multiples of like the old Thanos, I think of the eight co- eight cost that cannot be blocked. There's times that I'm pretty sure I could have bought two or three of him in one go, and that's a game ender. You, you know what I just thought, Jared? What? Dark side sidekicks, Egyptian gods. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're playable now. We you're purchase you're them. probably still gonna want to throw like a multiple man on there, but, you know, just to get some of those two energy swarmers going. Sidebar: Do you know how many times I've played Doctor J and he has an empty slot, so he sticks that stupid Thanos on there, and then he gets a garbage roll and buys it. Like it, I'll just buy really Thanos and then me. I die. It really irks me because I feel like I haven't found a replacement for that. <laughs> that I can just chuck there, on my team as like an eight cost, you know, whatever. If I whiff a roll, how is Gorilla Grodd? Not that because he's seven, he's an actual, he's, like, he's yeah, not yeah. expensive enough. He makes everything better, not just a one card win con, he makes everything else better. It's because, he's, he's, not he eight plus. It's because he's so good, and like he's with that seven cost, he's reachable. So it's like you're uh. you work for that, you work to try to get him. Thanos, you don't work to try to get him. It's just Oh crap! That was a bad roll. Yeah, buy him. <laughs> you know? That's what I want. I want that fallback card that I can go. That it's thing so is really powerful. So frustrating. I'm never gonna buy it unless I totally whiff a roll. But that needs to. That slot needs to be there. Yeah. So, Wiz Kids, if you're listening, Doctor J really wants an eight cost character. Just one more eight <laughs> yeah, cost character. Just, just make it a really card or something. Not so. with a good ability. Just fat stats and unblockable. That's <laughs> hey, all it needs to be. Fat stats and unblockable. <laughs> Not a good ability, but I mean, you know, one I mean, of the best ones possible. I mean, I'm thinking of something confusing like Beholder or something that's like making you do all this did stuff. We, no, I just want it to be unblockable. Did we forget Flash is unblockable? Yeah. So. Yeah. Why don't you? Oh yeah, promo Flash. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't. Buy off his stats, and you can only buy one of them. But <laughs> but hey, if you're if you're gonna do that, I mean that's a badge of honor. Well, that was a crab roll, flash. These are seven cost. <laughs> so I will say this: I think that that swarm has more purpose to it now with what Ken's been talking about. I personally think that multiple man is only good right now competitively because of ring. That's my own opinion. I know others might not agree with me. But without the ring, I actually think it's pretty slow. I've won games because my opponent didn't have the ring, and they go to buy purchase, and all they're worrying about purchasing, and I can outspeed them. 
right? You adjust your play. Or you can get him out of the field and, right. you know, not so a big that, deal. That's a, a personal opinion, but I feel like this, like with stuff Ken's talking about with that uncommon, is a little bit different. There's more of a purpose to the swarm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys want to hear more of this discussion on swarm, I mean, we could probably do a whole segment on that. Let us know. Shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or put it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Gentlemen, and be you. sure to let us know what your favorite cards are from Batman. Yeah, we wanted to. So we, yeah, there's so ones. many good ones where, like, we Kevin said, forgot what the segment was about. Yeah. He thought Bat- it was just about Swarm because we've been talking about it so long. Bat signal. Ken brought up yeah. rare bat signal. That one cost bat signal is important. That flip on those bat signals, like I thought, is very important because people like me forget to flip their cards. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, we want to hear from you guys. Let us know. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Um, I, I'm enjoying the set, but. Part of the reason I enjoy the set is because I get to hang out with you guys more. And that's it for this episode of the Double Burst Podcast. We would love to hear from you guys. Did we miss anything in our discussion about the different types of Rip Hunter? Or what's your favorite Batman card? We want to know. Shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Of course, check out doubleburst.com for past episodes, places to subscribe to the show so you automatically get it, and some cool resources that you can use to all your loving. Big thanks to Game Haven Sandy for giving us a place to record. If you guys live in Utah, make sure you check them out. If not, check them out online at yourgamehaven.com. Of course, big thanks to everybody who listens to this show. Everybody on the team super, super appreciates it. And until next time, my friends, may your dice rolls be ever in your favor. Mm-hmm.